0: Thank you for joining us for the first Art360 podcast. I'm Ellie from Art360, and I'm today talking to artist Alan Dimick, who has been a participant in the Art360 Scotland programme since 2019. And so, Alan, I'm really, really pleased to have you here. Thank you so much too for joining us. Whereabouts am I talking to you from today?
1: Yeah, I do go into my studio quite a lot, but um, I do a lot of work from home as well. So at the moment, I'm uh, I'm in this kind of bay window overlooking my geraniums onto, onto the park and it's nice and sunny.
0: Lovely. That's really lovely. Same here in London. It's looking very sunny. It's just so great to have you here, um, to be able to have this conversation with you about your archiving legacy and to share with listeners what those terms, archive and legacy, mean to you specifically. So much about archiving. And I think your involvement in the archival process has this connection to time, to memory, this feeling of looking backwards in order to look forwards. And so just to begin our conversation, I want to skip backwards and to ask you, Alan, when did you become an artist? And what made you want to pursue photography as your main form of artistic expression?
1: When I was a wee boy, Ellie, I, I always had tons of hobbies and my mum always despaired. And when I get into photography with a wee Instamatic camera, maybe it was 14 or 15, that I'm sure she thought it was going to be yet, yet another hobby. But when I got to 16 or 17 at school, I felt so contented that I knew then what I wanted to do there wasn't any there was no doubt about that and a lot of my friends were go no I don't know what course to do and for me you know that was it and I, I, I don't you know I'm just so lucky that I've kind of that that came to me quite young in life
0: yeah I think you know just looking at how prolific your archive is there's thousands of photos you've taken over the years of the art scene, the music scene in Scotland, and you know, particularly Glasgow. It's clear really that the practice of photography and the camera are just integral to how you've always engaged with the world and the communities that you've been a part of. Um, You know, photography is just so rooted in your personal history. And I think it's really amazing you can pinpoint almost that moment when that journey to becoming the artist you are began. Um, and I also you know I wanted to ask you really what the experience of archiving has really been like for you like what has it been like to take part in that process and also you know what your definition of the archive is. I think
1: the term archive is is a word that's become is we hear it more and more often now and um, I think from my point of view that Folk never really realised all the the work I had over the last forty years until probably I quite a small exhibition in two thousand and seven in um, in Street Level, which is a photographic gallery in Glasgow. That I think folk were expecting to see lots of of images of art openings and uh, various other things, but I actually just delved into the back and dark corners of my filing cabinets and brought out stuff from when I was at school and through the the early 80s and lots of family stuff and you know things that I'd done when I traveled and I think it was a bit of a kind of eye-opener to a lot of people to see that even though I'm more known I suppose for for the art stuff that there was there was a lot of other things that came before and are coming after as well I suppose.
0: Yeah absolutely Alan Um, I just want to pick up on what you you said at the end there which you know made me think about how the process of archiving can very much coincide with the creation of new work, um, often in very unexpected ways, actually. And always there's this huge resource, um, you know, that artists have, which is their archive always. Um, And obviously the archiving process is completely open-ended because of that. The more work that's produced, the more the archive grows. But also, Alan, you know, I'm really interested to know, and I think it would be really helpful for those listening to understand more about what archiving looks like for you in a practical sense. You know, you've got photographic prints, of course, but you've also got thousands of negatives and contact sheets. And so what does the archiving process practically involve for you?
1: Really early on, when I was at college, I would annotate these, um, these sleeves in a really in-depth way and for the last five or ten years I've kind of done that really obsessively but there's a period in the middle where I, I remember taking the photographs but not always I mean I'm 16 now and you know the old memory sometimes goes a bit haywire but I, I remember really nice things about some of them so I'm extracting there, there is little segments where I'm having to extract fragments and try and put them together but having a team of people that can, I mean, it's its amazing. They're all in really lovely sleeves now. We've managed to virtually scan everything. There's a few more recent things that we're probably going to leave till the future. I'm very close to a lot of these photos, you know, and if it really wasn't for Art360 really sort of giving me the kickstart to organise things, it would have... I could have woken up at the age of 70 and they would still be in lots of folders and lots of filing cabinets. So it's the idea that, you know, they're starting to, to become an entity. They're starting to become something that I can search for. It, it's It's so lovely looking through contact sheets and seeing images that you'd forgotten about completely or finding images that you'd remembered somewhere in your mind and they've come to the fore again.
0: I think so many artists feel this way once they get stuck into the experience of navigating the past through the archive, there's this real sense of recollection that occurs, which is quite particular, um, especially when an image, I think, prompts or kind of ignites thoughts and feelings that have maybe been dormant for a long time. And this part of looking back is simultaneously, I think, very, very dense, but also like very joyful and empowering at the same time you know, so many people and places are alive and very much living in your archive, Alan. And I just wonder as well, whether your perception of your own practice has changed in any way since you began archiving?
1: When I go and take photographs, it's really rare for me to have any kind of preconception, really, what I'm going to do that day. Um, but in a way, kind of has. I mean, obviously the passage of time has really changed things a lot I mean only last week I've been looking at a lot of stuff I took when I was maybe 17 or 18 and um you know there were I I guess looking back I do sometimes wonder at that young age what what I was really thinking taking photographs of you know dirty old clothesies or my mum making dumplings in the kitchen or photographs of the the you know of the washing in the sink kind of everyday things that uh I mean, I'm really glad I did, but I think that I can't really answer that specifically. It's definitely changed. Now that things are becoming organized, I can see I've always seen the value in them, but in a way, they have definitely changed what they were when I took them. When you see the images together decade on decade or year on year, you do undoubtedly see a running thread between them, which which I never noticed before.
0: I think there's something very interesting and I also imagine slightly uncanny about seeing your work as a whole and trying to map it out as an archive because, you know, it's it's also a map of you and it's something that you're so familiar with. Um, and at the same time, you could also say it's a version of contemporary Scottish culture as you've seen and experienced it. And I also think, you know, there's a lot of shared legacies in your archive. And by that, I mean, I can spot... Artists like Claire Barclay, Kevin Hutchison, who are also both part of the Art360 Scotland programme. And there's also very much in your images a focus on artist run spaces, on studios, and the atmosphere is extremely animated. You know, there's people captured mid laughter, embracing, having a great time. It's so far from, you know, a cold or severe private view environment and what you're representing really is a community that people want to be a part of you know I I want to live vicariously through the archive that's how I feel when you know I'm looking through your images and I think people really see themselves actually in the spaces that you're documenting and that's just one of the reasons why your images resonate so strongly with the public and why you know I think you get such a strong and positive response from people. And so just following that, I have two fairly large questions to ask. Um, you know, how important is it to you as an artist to be invited into the scenes you're documenting? And how do you see your work in relation to a social and artistic history?
1: A couple of people have touched on that and um when when the book came out a couple of years ago I got a couple of folk to write some essays and one of the the folk, Moira Jeffrey had really touched on mm. that. and, it, and, and it, I mean, it's true, but you've got to remember, Ellie, I, I mean, I I thought I didn't think of that at the time. It, it was a, a really, I just got to know people, you know, and I found myself photographing what was around me. And I, I think in the past that's happened quite a lot, I think, to photographers and, you know, it's it's so much nicer when you're accepted into this kind of environment be it the art world which i have to say a lot of people might think is very cliquey you know and it's a kind of closed shop thing but i mean i just saw them as friends really and um it was year on year you forget how quickly things can build up into quite an a quite a collection of photographs that cover quite a lot of different genres i mean it it makes perfect sense to my brain to to mix music with our nature natural history to art i mean that i don't i don't differentiate between any of these things really you know um and i don't think it's for me to say how 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 useful it is for people in the future i mean i th- i think it's something that i was always gonna end up doing do you know that but yeah, I mean, simple, simple photographs that I took without thinking at eighteen, and I would make prints up and give them to girls at school, or I would give them to other friends. Have now become quite a almost a little precious commodity. I mean, I even photographed at night the route I would take from my house to go and see a girlfriend when it was foggy and rainy, and they're the things that mean quite a lot to me. I'm not entirely sure anyone else is going to make of that. But in a way that my life has oddly, not just me, but my friends around me and my parents, a lot of folks say to me, you're so lucky to have such lovely photographs of your mum and dad. I wish I had that. And it never struck me how lucky I am that in a way that, you know, each point of my life since I was a kind of mid-teenager has weirdly been documented not not in self-portraits I've never really been into photographing myself at all but things around me so when I look at things I, I, I mean I can transport myself back really quickly to that time and yeah maybe it is nostalgic and you know that's not always a super healthy thing but um I'm kind of used to it. I can I can jump between decades no problem
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean what an amazing thing to be able to do to be able to sort of jump between Moments in the past through the archive. And I I also think actually that process of looking back can really propel you forward in interesting ways. And your work on the archive and the way you engage with it is a real example of how transformative that can be. And I also just want to pick up on what you've said about just having the camera with you all the time and this being part of the way you interact with the world. We've spoken about the fact there's shared legacies in the archive. You know, there's this web of contemporary Scottish culture, which is quite personal and intimate to you. But you also document strangers. I mean, you could maybe describe them as familiar strangers. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, an image I've seen you post recently on Instagram, for example, of a of a bus spotter.
1: Weirdly enough, only last week I was at a walk with a, an old school friend and. Uh, he, he caught that photograph and he said, that guy lived two or three doors down from him. And I don't, don't think he's around anymore. But um, he was, what I liked about him was that he just sat in the middle of the pavement, right? He wasn't really in the way, but he just plonked himself down. And uh, he was obviously quite uh, serious about his bus spotting. And I didn't mind that because, you know, so I have plenty of unusual hobbies. And that, I guess, is quite an unusual hobby. But what I like about it is, right? the photographs that bus spotters take in in years to come become a brilliant resource not just for the buses but for all the stuff behind it for the people wearing different styles of clothing car models what the shops were like so quite often i I've, i'm not that i'm interested in most things right and i, I like buses as much as an expert, sort of you know sort of person but i do buy some of these books for the social history the kind of tapestry that kind of sits behind them.
0: It makes complete sense that you see an affinity with this guy based on a mutual fascination with social history and a commitment to documenting it. Um, You know, the way I see it is that there's a story embedded in each and every one of your images, whether they're figurative or non-figurative. And there are also, I think... Numerous abstract images of objects and things that aren't quite human in your archive. You know, I saw another image of yours recently that I think is a a crab's legs or arms. I have to admit, I'm not 100% sure. Um, But they look to me very human. And I thought, you know, when I saw that image immediately, it was quite funny. And there's a lot of humour behind that. And I just wonder what attracts you to these kind of uncanny frames.
1: When I was a wee boy, Ellie, I I had a bit of a total fear of crabs that 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 sort of based itself on some bad boys down at, at Millport and Isle of Cumbrie catching a crab and then jumping on it. And I remember being really upset, but Remembering the sound of the cracking and all the water coming out, so for ages I would have to wear shoes when I went into the water, right? So maybe nowadays I've got over that. You'd be glad to know, but I, I but I can photograph and touch crabs now quite, quite happily. But, but this was a tour of the Glasgow Museums Resource Centre, which is in the south side of Glasgow, and it's amazing. And they do these tours, and I don't think you're supposed to take photographs, but I kind of asked the guy, and uh, I was drawn to certain things. I. The spider crab one. Um, yeah, the teeth. I, I don't know what they need the teeth for, but I'm not entirely sure what they eat, but it's certainly to chew things with. So um, yeah, they're very human, aren't they? And uh mm. I've always done I think I've always done things like that. Um Again, it's just things that catch my eye. It's a curiosity factor. I love natural history. I've been a bird watcher for longer than I've been taking photographs. So, so anything to do with nature kind of seeps into my pores. And no doubt. I'm not interested in photographing birds as a type of species, but I'm interested in the people that watch them or i'm interested in in this of landscape that the animals live in so it isn't I'm, I'm not a twitcher as such but i do uh yeah natural history is really important to me so during the first few weeks in lockdown, we were going have you been photographing the empty streets have you been photographed people with masks but no i was i was just in woods photographing particular parts of trees and it totally totally calmed me right down and um I think I saw people I saw a lot of folk photographing folk with masks up quite close and they were getting quite upset. And I don't want to upset people ever, but I don't want to upset people, especially when I'm photographing them. And now there's lots of things I see in the street that I really kind of want to photograph that would have been easier to photograph in 1980. Now I tried it last week, you know, photographing different people that were out sunbathing in the not well, they were they were sitting in the sun lot of young people wearing interesting clothes and because i've got the old camera people clock it straight away Ellie. and within a minute it was oi oldie what are you up to and you know it it, that kind of maybe wouldn't have happened 40 years ago (laughs) so so sometimes i have to kind of think that would make a really nice image but i it could maybe upset someone you know so um i don't always which is a bit of a shame nowadays um
0: I I think maybe there could be more of something like a paranoia about the way photographs circulate I mean who knows I guess that kind of mechanism of the film camera isn't very subtle in comparison to I guess like the phone camera which is so silent and hidden away which I'd possibly argue is way more invasive but anyway um you know, I also wanted to ask you as well, Alan, about Scotland, because, you know, I can see a lot of Glasgow in your photography, but also there's Sky, Fife, Edinburgh, there's Dundee. And I wanted to ask you, you know, how the context of Scotland its environment and cultures has impacted you as an artist and also your choice of subjects?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I respond differently to different places. I would love to have been in the kind of luxurious situation that I could have just travelled about and soaked in all this new environment all the time. You know, I didn't really start going abroad much, early until, you know, a few years ago, to be honest. So, I suppose it does sound quite parochial. I've I've been stuck in the central belt or the northwest part of Scotland all my life, but it doesn't really bother me because I'll always find different things to photograph. You know, it, it's really rare for me not to be enticed by something new that I've walked by a thousand times. So um, it's it's all sorts of things. I don't I don't try and I mean that guy sitting taking the bus numbers. Mm-hmm sits on exactly the same level as you know Douglas Gordon or, or a Martin Boyce artist that's won the Turner Prize. they're all they're all part of my life that I see. so there's not any <laughs> I don't I don't differentiate between any of these people. It doesn't really matter. And also when I'm taking a photograph of an artist for you know a museum or for whatever reason, I, I'm not really thinking of their art at all. Um, I just chat to them about things that interest them and it tends not to be necessarily about the work they're making. It's more about them as a person, I think, you know.
0: Definitely that, you know, communication, that dialogue um, and that sense of, you know, a shared energy um, definitely reverberates from the photographs. You know, the people in your images are rarely still or posing, like they're always animated and I think they're always in the process of an exchange And, yeah, I think this is what makes the archive so much about community. Um, And when you look at the images as a whole, you can really kind of get a sense of people's lives or you can map lives and actually, you know, live vicariously through that visual story as it's told through the images. Um, And also, Alan, you know, before 2019, when you started taking part in Art360, and before you started working quite intensively on your archive, was the idea of legacy a thing that came up for you
1: from other people? Yeah, and it, it happened about ten years ago that folks started to realise, as, as I touched on earlier, there was layer upon layer of other things, and of course, people didn't really know what they were. Occasionally, folk might have been in my studio, where I, which I did really just use to photograph other artwork. They would they would see the filing cabinets and kind of pull one open and. Realise they were jam packed with. I, I've never thrown out a single photograph I've ever taken. So even fragments, there's this <laughs> really pathetic. There's little fragments of photos that have been jammed away, and they were saying, "You don't realise what you've got here, Alan. This is this is a gold mine." And of course, sometimes it's quite hard to to realise that yourself. It it takes other people to keep poking you with sticks and saying, "You know, get a book done." The book happened and uh folk have been talking about a book for years early before it ever actually came out. So it's only the last two or four years that I think things are really starting to... And, it, and it, let me tell you, it's come not just because of the lockdown last year, but I think it's come at the right time for me, actually. But I still feel that I'm, uh you know, lively enough to sort of deal with an archive of this size.
0: Totally. You know, I think it can be both overwhelming and wonderful to have such you a know, prolific and significant body of work. And also, Alan, you know, I want to ask you you know, another really large question. But why do you feel that photographic archives and photographers' archives are so important for the future? You know, why is archiving and why are archives so important?
1: When I used to go to these street markets every weekend, I would buy people's families albums and I would buy cardboard boxes full of photographs because it kind of upset me that people's, there were really lovely pictures as well and they were just thrown out. They were in the rain. You'd be paying like 50p for a box of photographs and in a way I was wanting to save them. So in a way that I know of lots of photographers, good photographers whose work, you know, they've died and their sons or their relatives have found these boxes of photographs and um but loads of them must just get thrown out i just got a call last night from someone um that there are books. you know they're a, a quite a famous book sellers shop in glasgow and they do house clearances but on this occasion they found the most amazing archive of negatives and they don't know what to do with them so i've said just make sure you don't throw them out so that's a wee job for me next week and it'll be quite exciting just to see what they've got photographs for the future are going to be so important for so many reasons. It, it isn't all about just taking digital photographs in your phone and you end up with ten thousand images in a hard drive that will get corrupted and then they're gone. So um yeah, it's I I, I feel quite strongly about it and I, I but from my point of view I just feel lucky that people are taking notice of them and they're saying things that to me I'm very touched by actually because. You know, it's just something that's in me that that's what I was here to do, and that's what I'm going to keep doing as well. So,
0: what I think we're doing here too is preserving cultural heritage that's so valuable, but so often falls off the edges of dominant narratives and histories. But, Alan, you know, as always, it's been so wonderful to chat to you. And I'm just conscious we need to wrap up soon. And I wanted to ask before we do, What your advice would be to other artists who are starting out on this process of archiving now? Contact Art360.
1: I can give them the (laughs) phone (laughs) number. You know, having people like you makes such a difference. I know that the idea of archives now has become more of a thing. Folks think of their back catalogue as an archive. I mean, it took me a few years to realise what I was sitting on was just that. I think it depends a lot on the kind of media that they work in as well. You know, I mean, one person's archive of paintings or prints could be, you know, relatively small in number, but quite important in terms of, you know, that I mean, they could take years to make. Um, People, you definitely need help. I think some people, I've met a couple of folk, Ellie, that have got a real sort of. They've they've got a really organised mind and they seem to archive as they go along, right? Um, Which probably makes life a lot easier rather than leaving it until someone says, we've got to organise all this now. So, um, yeah, it's... I think they need to... I know people that went to art school and produced amazing degree shows, but they didn't even bother to photograph it and how they regret that so much. So I think as you go along you've got to document work and in a way when you're documenting it you're archiving it as well but um no they definitely i'm i'm probably not the best person to say because if i was left on my own i wonder i do wonder if the archive would be like in a in a better state than it was in 1985. some of the, the folders that i opened early were the paper it was like you know um they were falling to bits. (laughs) You know, I mean, the paper was like brittle and it was, uh, they'd stuck together and you kind of thought, good grief, this has just happened through decades. And yet to me, it doesn't seem like decades.
0: That's so common. I think my artists just want to be making new work and it's so rare to have the time and resources to even think about looking back and archiving. So this is the kind of support and space we're hoping to create for artists in their lifetime. I think what we're doing with Art360. But Alan thank you so much again really for your generosity in speaking to me and also just for being such an active participant in the archiving project. I really have learned so much from working with you and I'm also just happy that we brought this dialogue to a public forum.
1: Listen, And also thank you Ellie as well because there's no doubt that the sort of connection that that I had with you a couple of years ago has really opened the door to to getting more funding from Creative Scotland, and it certainly um, helped me so much. And I appreciate it so much. And a lot of people in Glasgow and Edinburgh have been talking about Art 360. It's become folk are really aware of it now, and they keep asking, you know, are we going to be able to apply for it next year? And you know, so so folk know know about yeah. it, and they're 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 very keen to sort of um, get involved. So yeah, thank you. <laughs>
0: We're fundraising right now to open up new rounds of support for artists in states across the UK, including Scotland. So I'm going to end here now with a shout out to anyone who actually wants to apply for our programme to sign up to our mailing list on our website, because that's the place where we're going to share this information first. But also just, you know, drop us a line if you've got questions about how our programmes work Or if you just want some advice, because we're always really, really happy to chat and to have a conversation, you know, as today demonstrates. Talking is such an important part of understanding what your legacy is and what you want it to be in the future. Until next time, I've been Ellie Porter speaking to artist Alan Dimmick about his amazing legacy and photographic practice and archive. So thank you so much for joining us. And also please consider supporting Art360 Foundation and what we do to empower artists and to preserve cultural heritage for the future. Um, All of the fundraising we have is through applications and individual donations. So we really, really appreciate your support. Thanks very much. See you soon.